This is Words That Move Me, the podcast where movers and shakers like you get the information and inspiration you need to navigate your creative career with clarity and confidence. I am your host, Master Mover, Dana Wilson. And if you're someone that loves to learn, laugh, and is looking to rewrite the starving artist story, then sit tight, but don't stop moving, because you're in the right place. Hello, 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 and welcome. This is Words That Move Me. I'm Dana, and I am, as always, jazzed about this episode. This is week three of Audition August, and I have not one, not two, oh no, yes, two. I have not one, but two (laughs) incredible guests that are going to offer some tremendously valuable insights on um, the dance market and what that means for auditions and auditioners. Um, I do want to jump right into that, but first, wins. If you are new to the show, we start every episode off with wins. I tell you mine and get yours ready because you are up next. Okay, today... I am celebrating a future win. Go with me here. Today I'm celebrating that a year from today, August 19th, 2021, the podcast has reached 100,000 downloads. Oh my gosh, that feels so good to say that. I'm so proud of my future self. (laughs) Okay, I know what you're thinking. Probably two things, actually. Number one thing, wow, that's really silly and very bold to proclaim such a huge goal so publicly and then celebrate it before you actually achieve it. Oh my gosh, that's going to hurt so bad when you fail. (laughs) That might be what you're thinking. Um, Well, if you are thinking that, to you, I would say yes, it is bold to proclaim such a huge goal so publicly. And yeah, I might fail, quote, fail. But I've been practicing being willing to fail publicly for over 15 years now of working in TV, film, and on stage. I am a pro at being willing to fail publicly. But just imagine how bad I would fail if I didn't tell you the downloader, that my personal goal is to reach 100,000 downloads. (laughs) That is what is really silly. And now that you may see my point, you might be thinking, all right, okay, how can I help? Well, if you dig what you hear, then keep it with you. Download the podcast. (laughs) If you're using Apple Podcasts, this might not be as easy or intuitive as I wish it was. It's certainly not as intuitive as they think it is. So if you struggle downloading the podcast, DM me at words that move me podcast on Instagram, or contact me at my website, thedanawilson.com. At very, very least, it's a perfect excuse for us to be in touch. Okay, now you go. What's going well in your world?
killer. Congratulations. I am so glad that you are winning. Please do keep it up. Actually, I'm so glad that we're talking wins right now because this episode has some really valuable insights about wearing your wins and shedding your losses. Okay, let's get into it. As the entertainment industry starts to turn back on, think dimmer switch, not on-off switch. By the way, how dim is it? Oh, we're going to tell you exactly how much less work is coming through the pipeline this summer relative to recent years. And what does that mean about our responsibilities as dancers, agents, creatives, or even as consumers of dance? Whether you are a seasoned pro, new to the game, or simply a dance fan, this episode is for you. Because today we're talking to talent agents, specifically two of my agents from Clear Talent Group. First up is the lovely Misha Getz. She has her hand in the dance, choreography, and digital departments over at Clear Talent Group. And we are also joined by the president of CTG himself, Mr. Tim O'Brien. He is joining us with many, many years of experience and an eagle's eye view of this COVID moment in our history. These two offer real talk, real discussions about a real tough market. And I think you will walk away feeling informed and inspired. So let's get to it. Enjoy Misha Getz and Tim O'Brien from Clear Talent Group. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Thank you so much for joining me today. This is Audition August, where we seek to demystify the almighty audition. And if we happen to illuminate other dark corners of the industry, then so be it. I am joined by the lovely Misha Getz and the one and only Tim O'Brien. Hello, hello, and thank you for joining me. Hello. Hi, y'all. How you doing, Dana? It's good to see you. It's it's good to see you guys too, albeit on a two-dimensional surface. Um, All right, so it's it's podcast tradition here to have my guests introduce themselves. Uh, Why don't we go ladies first, Mish? Sure. Um, Hello, my name is Misha Getz, and I am one of the co-directors in the dance department at Clear Talent Group, and I also am an agent in the choreography department as well as the digital department. Awesome. All right, Tim, who are you? Hi, I'm Tim O'Brien. I'm the president of Clear Talent Group. Uh, Prior to that, I was a professional dancer for 10 years, and then I started one of the very first uh, departments dedicated just to dancers. Uh, a long time ago and uh, have evolved into now owning my own agency and having um, a wonderful group of agents like Misha. Yes, and a wonderful group of uh, talent, which includes me as a matter of fact. All right, so I have a, a billion D questions for you both and um, probably some semi-sensitive ones given the sensitive nature or maybe I'll say unusual nature of our industry right now. Um, 
But I, I would love to talk about, obviously, auditions in the before time and the auditions that you guys are seeing go out into the world now, um, while productions are certainly under different limitations than they normally are. But before we dig into that, um, Misha, could you talk through, this is a tough one, could you talk through the very broad strokes, the, the flow of information and the flow of actions, the flow of tasks that happen from the minute your phone rings and the person on the other side is looking for talent to the moment when the talent is cashing their check? Yeah, absolutely. Um, in a very broad, broad sense, <laughs> yeah. our job is to provide a service to either our clients or to the buyer on the other side. So when we get a phone call, we are trying to collect as much information as humanly possible. So that's pretty much in simple terms, the who, what, where, when, and why. So we're collecting rates, if there's a spec, if there's a choreographer attached. Um, and then from there, it can go in two separate directions. They could either be requesting a submission from us or it can go straight into an audition process. So in which it's an open call, whoever fits the specs is getting the audition. Nowadays, we're not having in-person auditions at all, pretty much. Mm -hmm. So it's all pretty much either direct booking, direct bookings right now or submission based. So this is when, let's just say we're gonna go down a submission path. We'll put together a submission, we'll email it to the buyer and a buyer is a producer, a casting director, a choreographer. Mm -hmm. From there, we send the submission, we wait on selects. We may send a follow-up or two to make sure that they receive. <laughs> good call, once, good call. <laughs> once we receive the selects, then we are sending out the audition. From sending out the audition, we're making phone calls to make sure that you receive the information. We haven't heard from you, and then we're gonna text you. And from that point, we formulate a list to send back to the buyer of who is planning on submitting their self-tape in, the, in this state of the world. Mm -hmm. If anyone decides not to self-tape, that is our opportunity as agents to potentially pitch people that weren't selected. Ooh. Sometimes it's a hit, sometimes it's a miss. Really just varies. And then, then it's just the waiting game. You know, you're getting submissions, you're making sure that they're following all the instructions properly, because that's a shoe-in if you're not. And then from there, you know, the review process becomes on the prior side. We wait for a booking. Mm -hmm. But prior to the booking, we're getting avails. And then sometimes the veil goes into a hold. And then from a, the hold, we'll receive the booking where we get all the details all come together. And that's my personal favorite part is, of course, making the phone call to the clients, letting them know that they booked the job. And then the job happens, right? The best part, <laughs> the job happens. From there, we, if it's a non-union job, then we are collecting hours. We're asking our clients if there's, hazardous conditions on set, where did you have to wear your own wardrobe to make sure that we're invoicing properly. And then from there, we're really money chasers. <laughs> Every week we're following, you know, sending follow-ups to the production companies to make sure that they're getting paid on a timely basis. 
That was so all-encompassing. I'm very impressed and very clear. Thank you for that talk through. If I may just interject, uh, during that process, it's so important for the dancers to stay in contact with their agents. There's so many times uh, we put out uh, calls and emails on a Tuesday night, and on Wednesday morning, the staff has to come in and start chasing down the people that didn't respond. Mm-hmm. And uh, it can... It, it's just the word I, that you always have to think of when you're dealing with your agent and when we're dealing with both the buyer and the talent is communicate, communicate, communicate. As a choreographer, Dana, you know that the worst thing you can, that can happen is you think you have your eight dancers and you book your eight dancers and you're excited and then you find, only to find out that one of them isn't available. And uh, so we try to avoid that at all costs. And the only way we can do that is by communicating. So I just can't say enough about how important it is for the dancers to communicate with us so that we can uh, represent them properly. Right. Communication must be the most important part of this agent-dancer relationship at every moment, at every in-between stage, Misha, of of the talk through you just gave. Every moment that information changes hands is an opportunity for there to be a misunderstanding. Um, it's just like, honestly, it's a pretty big game of telephone. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think what makes the experience the best is when clients, like you were saying, is communicative. And if they do have questions, that hopefully we have created an environment for our clients that they feel open enough. So whether that's a text or a call or an email, to make sure that when they walk in the room, they're completely understanding the best of abilities what job they're about to be representing. Mm-hmm. That's crystal clear. That's awesome. Um, I do want to draw some attention. You mentioned that on a non-union job, when you're collecting hours and keeping track of hazardous conditions, that's really on the dancer to be recording those details on the job. I think that's something that not um, that most dance studios don't prepare their dancers for, is to how to not only deliver the dance goods, but to also be receiving information about what's happening on set, what's in alignment with the way that sh- things should be going and what isn't. And, and then, of course, the way to ask for those things to be, um, you know, reconciled. Yes, absolutely. Um, okay, Tim, let's zoom out a little bit if we could. I'm so curious and I'm slightly afraid to ask. Um, relative to, say, last summer, around this same time, how much work is coming through the pipeline right now in 2020? Uh, how much work is coming through the pipeline? Um, not much. It's, I think, uh, especially in the live event world, Broadway's totally shut down. Um, all concerts are really shut down. You might hear about somebody doing something at a drive-in movie which is a cute idea, but it's usually, you know, it's a, occasionally you see that kind of thing. It's a very tough market. It's, it's I, I hate to get percentages, but it's probably 10 or 20% of what it was last year. I mean, we, the last couple of years, as you started this whole podcast, uh, was market, the business was really doing well. Dance has become extremely popular. Mm-hmm. Um, not just on uh, TV with the reality shows, but in movies and television and you know, concerts. And, it, you know, it was a great market. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, you know, the, the brakes are on. And uh, you can't 
you just can't, nobody's going to be sitting shoulder to shoulder in Staples Center watching their favorite pop star. It's, right. it's not going to happen. Right. So it's been hit pretty hard. And I think um, that's, that's a reality that I don't know about you, but when we first had our meeting at Clear Talent Group, I think on our about March 17th, and before we started working at home, when I do go to the office now, we still have St. Patrick's Day decorations up. <gasps> I mean, that's when it all started. Wow. Uh, and we thought, well, this could be a month, you know, maybe a six weeks, and then, and then it became it's going to be three months. And, and now I think it's really going to be 2021, and with the vaccine that we're going to start getting back to normal. And I do think, and I know we'll get back to normal. But yeah, we, we can't kid ourselves. The market is... Uh, slowed down enormously mm -hmm. and um i think it's important that's why we you know we're one of the few agencies that has a dedicated influencer department and uh the timing was good on that and we're trying to encourage our dancers to do all kinds of creative things uh, such as dana wilson started a podcast <laughs> yay yay um so it yeah the answer to the question is it's, it's off i would say it's off by 80 percent at least it's just the market's just not there. And then we are getting some movies and some uh, episodic TV shows that are kind of giving us a heads up. Um, but that's become like uh, that. Yeah, it's, we're going to start shooting in August and then in the middle of July. We're going to start shooting. Actually, it's going to be September. And then, mm -hmm. uh, well, it's going to be October. And then you start hearing about people saying it's going to be 2021. Yeah. Um, they just, you know, look what's happening. You have to, you know, I think it is important for dancers to pay attention to the world. And unfortunately, this pandemic has been a huge wake up call that you do have to pay attention to the world mm -hmm. and to our community, large and small. So yeah, it's a, uh, it's not a good market. And uh, you have to, you know, as a dancer, I think you have to, we'll get, I think we'll get into this, but you have to keep your chops up and be ready for when it comes back. Mm -hmm. But uh, you just have to start thinking of creative ways of um, of not just working and generating income, which of course is important, but also keeping your sanity. Right. You know? Right. So yeah, and answer your question, uh, the market um, is not good. Copy that. Um, so can we talk about where dancers are landing in the market today? I think dance is having a bit of a high point when we look at things like TikTok and all of the show, the dance shows on TV. Um, uh, movie musicals are having a bit of a comeback moment. I think dance is very cool to be a dancer right now. Um, Tim, could you talk about specifically in the digital space, the role of a dance influencer? Like, internet seems to be really helping dance. Um, how does that help you as an agent? And how might that hurt you as an agency, you know, the, the role of the internet? And how might dance and dance influencers um, be affecting dancers themselves in the digital space? Well, I think that um, with dancers working as influencers in the digital space, it's a whole new market. And anytime you can open up a new market, it's great for your industry. And in this case, for the dance industry. So it gives a lot more, uh, there's more options for dancers. Uh, there's um, more ways to, um, to monetize your talent. And um, so I, I think it's a win-win. It's a win for the dancers. It's a win for the agents. How could it hurt? Um, 
one thing about anytime we get into new markets when music videos first started and, and now with this, there's a bit of a wild, wild west that happens. And uh, producers, some of them not experienced, some of them very experienced, will want to work directly with the dancer or with the influencer in this case. And it's it sounds like uh, something that your agent tells you, and uh, but it's true. And that is a producer, any producer will deal with a dancer or the artist in a different manner than they'll deal with the artist representative. So you, you do get a, a, a percentage of influencers that want to do it all on their own or they want to they'll call in an agent when they get in trouble or maybe they didn't get paid or the money wasn't what it was supposed to be um so i that's how it can hurt the dance market is uh there there, there then can become a race to the bottom if uh, if if uh if we're not careful but generally i think it's really good for them and i think it's good for us and uh it's an exciting new world it's uh you know, we're right in the top of the news uh, today. You know, the president's talking about getting rid of TikTok, which is just shocking. Um, but uh, so I think it's a win-win. And uh, but like anything else, uh, you just have to uh, proceed carefully and uh, and rely on your agents. We're here for a reason. We're here to help dancers. That's my mission in life. Is you know, how can we help dancers make it a better world for dancers and prove not just their income, but their working conditions, and uh, to make sure they're being treated right and their image isn't being misused. So, mm, so it's all good. You're bringing up it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. You're bringing up some really important um, parts of your responsibility as an agent and your roles as an agent, which I think some people might not have considered. I think in the minds of many, the agent is the person that gets you paid, but it's so, so, so much more. Um, <laughs> I have though heard of a few projects and it kind of blows my mind that things actually still are happening, but I've heard of a couple commercials where they're working remotely. They will quote location scout somebody's home via a zoom call where the, um, the talent walks their laptop through their house showing this is where my bed is. This is a window. This is, you know, my kitchen, this has this much space. It's five feet from here to here, 12 feet from here to here. And then the director will decide, okay, move your bed over to the other corner. So people are shooting like talent. The dancer is becoming the set decorator. Um, like they'll receive a package in the mail. That's a lighting kit and they'll set up their own lights. They'll set up their own camera. They're given a tripod. They have to balance the tripod. They, they're given an iPhone or, or some other, camera what i'm seeing in the few examples that i know of of work still happening where the talent is becoming responsible for almost all parts of the project there's still a voice on the other side directing them but wow um i can't imagine somebody who's new to the game being able to take all of that on without knowing some basic camera terminology and onset language, without being able to speak with a director and take direction, be inside enough to deliver an awesome product, but outside enough to be taking direction, moving the camera, moving the light, doing all these things. So as the amount of work has gone down, is it safe to say that it's so competitive that this might be the hardest time to catch a break? Yeah, I think you brought up a lot of really important topics. Um, 
first I want to touch how you mentioned how dancers are having to become their own set designers, creative directors through this process. And I will say that, you know, us as agents have had to adapt to that as well as they're taking on new roles of being their own makeup artists and hair artists, we had to adapt on our side to make sure that we're asking for that additional compensation because of the time spent on those things. And resources, right? Like actual my makeup, actual my hair equipment, actual my space, like my actual space. Wow. So so those talks are happening in, in the negotiation, those things are being accounted for? Absolutely. And as they come up and that just once again, bringing up communication is so important for the clients to communicate with us that these things are happening because otherwise there's no way of us. We're not there. There's no way of us knowing that those things are happening. Okay. So Uh, Dana, if I could just interject on, because the other question you said, is it harder to get for a dancer to get a break? And I'll answer it like this. Um, as agents, when we discover a new young talent and we really want you, you the choreographer, to see them, um, there's nothing that is the same as getting them in the room. And how many times have you gone into a room and you have your favorites, you have the people you like, mm-hmm. and you see that one person and you fall in love. You see them and you think, I want to hire this person. They're, they're ready and they're they're talented and they're beautiful and you kind of as the day goes on in your audition you you actually create a, almost an emotional attachment you want to give that person the first break that's really hard to do digitally it's mm-hmm. you, if we're going to submit 20 soft tapes you're as the choreographer you're going to be you're going to be drawn to those people that you know can do the job right even if they're all in different rooms somewhere and that's for the final shoot, you were talking about commercials, just pay attention to how many commercials now. It's not 20 people or 10 or five people in a shot. It's five shots of individual people. Right. So, so it's much harder, I think, to get a break. Um, and so it's tough. It's a tough market. And that's why, even the, especially the younger dancers, they really need to stay on their job, which their job de- definition right now is stay in shape, uh, take digital classes, um, make sure your pictures are ready because there's going to be the day. And I think it's not that far away. I think early 2021, we're, it's going to take off again because mm-hmm. once we can start shooting, I mean, I, have you watched everything on Netflix yet? Because I'm getting close. Uh, so <laughs> pretty, they, need, they, need, uh, they need material to go on Netflix and Amazon and Apple TV and Disney Channel. Um, and they don't have it because they're not shooting. And so when things do start, my advice is be ready. But in answer to your question, yeah, it's hard uh, for a young dancer to get a break right now. There's less, there's less opportunities and, um, and there's less ways to get in. Yeah, I've heard actually a few choreographers use this term. I know Calvert Hodge has used it and so has Jamal Sims. And they say, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And I love that. Such a good quote, such a good uh, mantra and thing to repeat, um, especially in moments like this where it is so tempting to take a little bit of a COVID vacation, a co-vacation, if you will. Um, I, I really like, Tim, what you said about the need for more content. It didn't dawn on me until this moment that the rate of consumption of media 
right now is probably higher than it's ever been before. There will be huge demand for fresh new material, enter talent, right? So that's really important, I think, to remember. Well, just just think of some of the jobs like um, we have Zach Woodley is not in Utah doing High School Musical, uh, but they're not, I think, I don't think they're halfway through the season. They need a season. Right. So when they can, they're going to start shooting. Um, right. And uh, Little Mermaid came back from London. Um, movie's not done. Those are just the projects that had started. And then if you start thinking of the projects that want to start, it's going to be, I think, and I hope I'm right, I think it's going to be a bit of a boom town. That um, once you can shoot, once we do get a vaccine and uh, we can really get back to work, I think um, in our business, it is going to be, it may be a, a, like a slight dimmer switch turning on. It might not be a full light switch, but it's going to go on and it's going to start burning bright uh, at some point. And it's going to be a lot of stuff out there ready to go to work. Cool. I I think that is a very hopeful thought. I will choose to keep that thought. Um, I do wanna I do wanna circle back to what you mentioned around the audition, however, how nothing can be a substitute for that in-person, in the room, face-to-face -face exchange. So I hear you loud and clear, but I do wanna add another angle, um, especially, and, and this is from the talent end of things, actually. I love being asked to self-submit, to, to self-tape because I get to control all of the things. I get to decide if I do 45 takes. I get to decide where my light is, if I change my outfit six different times based on how it looks on camera. I get to choose the edit. I really enjoy that element. Um, and perhaps this is because I'm a person that has a decent technical aptitude for video editing, music editing, et cetera. But um, I'm wondering if there are any things any elements, be it in the audition or otherwise, that are happening now that you think won't go away? Like the self-tape has always existed but was used much less. Will it be used more? Is it useful? Is it helpful? Is it cheaper than renting space and having a massive cattle call? Um, is, is the talent using their own lights and doing their own hair and makeup gonna be something that stays because it's cheaper? Is it visibly that much worse than the alternative? Like what, what things are we seeing now that you think will stay even in the new normal? Yeah, I mean, to be completely honest, I think that we were already straying less and less away from open auditions. There were hardly as much open auditions from when I started at the agency to right before COVID hit. So yeah, I think that concept is going to be more and more, at least it's going to be more submission-based, more direct bookings, and more um, select auditions, so private auditions. Mm -hmm. Dana, let me ask you, as a choreographer, mm -hmm. um, if, if you look at self-tapes, because I think, Earlier on, if we, people would send us tapes and we would look at that tape and decided who we wanted to see them in person. Mm -hmm. This was, you know, back in the good old days, about five years ago. Mm -hmm. um, uh, as a choreographer, don't you want to see, I mean, if you have to kind of separate the people that you know and you work with, you have a relationship with, or that you've seen and you admire from the mm -hmm. people that you haven't seen. So if you see somebody who submits a self-tape, 
uh, do you want to see them in person or do you want to, are you okay with just seeing the self tape and saying, I'll hire that, that person? You know what? You're bringing up a great and excellent point. The answer for me is both. I love a first round, like first, like massive dump of video submissions that I can scrub through very quickly determine, you know, it's true what they say on performances, start big, finish big, fill in the middle. <laughs> I will, I will watch the beginning of somebody's submission and the end. And if I need any more information, I'll go look for it. But that saves me a lot more time than, than inviting one at, a, one at a time into the room or five at a time into the room, teaching a two-minute combination, watching a two-minute combination. Like, that takes a lot of time. And I actually, I, I, I don't so much mind having the scrub process that takes far less time. But then at the end of that scrub process, you're right, Tim, I want to see the human. And I want to know how they interact because it's not just the talent that matters. It's the directability, the energy, the relationship, the openness of the person to really get the job done, which is less obvious in a video submission than it is in person. And sometimes this behavior in the room Mm -hmm. uh, one of the funniest auditions I ever observed, uh, the choreographer at the very end uh, was getting ready to take a group of 10 dancers on a tour. And he was really ruminating, trying to make those last decisions. You got 20 people in the room, you're trying to pick the eight. And he's looking at it and he's talking to his assistant and finally he looks up and um, I'll use a different word, but he said, could I get the hands of the jerks that are out there? You know who you are. He didn't use the word jerks. Um, he said, you know who you are. You're the one that's always, you know, making trouble when it's not necessary. Can, you, can I just get your hands? And all the dancers kind of just looked at each other. I thought it was hysterical. But, <gasps> Did um, anybody raise their hand? Nobody raised their hand. Uh, Naturally. But you understand the point. You're trying to get right. a vibe. You're trying to get a feel, especially when you're going on the road or when you're doing a movie. Look how long you were in the Heights. When you yes. were choreographing that, it's, it's, yeah. a, it's a family. You're together every day. And it's important to be able to pick up the vibe of the people that it's just so important to be comfortable in the room. You like to work with the people you like to work with. And so the, one of the challenges for a dancer is how do you become one of those people that people like to work with? Yes. So. And how do you get that across if you are that person, but, but they don't know it yet? How do you <laughs> genuinely, genuinely translate that? Um, in an audition experience or in a self-tape even, um, how does that come across? How do you actually... Yeah, I mean, it's like right now when I'm at the market or wherever with a mask, I almost want to tell people, I'm smiling in this conversation. <laughs> you know? Who was I just telling this? My smiles have now transferred. They're in my whole body. When I'm wearing a mask, <laughs> my body smiles and I just bounce <laughs> so that people know I'm kind. <laughs> um, it's, it's so funny that you mentioned that. I was just saying that. That's so funny. Um, okay, I love this story, Tim, of this like getting down to brass tacks, asking the room, okay, be real with me. Who, who are you? Like, how do you behave? Um, I've been in the room when similar awkward, in, in the audition room, that is, when similar questions are asked as like this narrowing down of people. And it can feel very um, uh, dehumanizing to an extent. Actually, I think auditions are in general, it's not uncommon. And I think it will be addressed um, when we see our world get back 
to normal. At least I hope to see this change. Um, a little bit less black girls over there, white girls over here. No, 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 honey, you go, you go with the brown girls. Okay, redheads over there. It's it's like very extremely dehumanizing and insensitive. Um, I hope to see it change. Um, but I'm curious, Misha, do you have any other um, hopes for the way that auditions will change moving forward? Yeah, and I think that you brought up a really great point. And I think that we are starting to see that change just this week. Uh, casting directors are changing their language when they're asking for submissions. Which Please tell me we're done with ethnically ambiguous. Yes, I haven't seen ethnically ambiguous in the past week, I would say. What does it mean? It's like, right. I don't know. I don't, it's, it's almost like, send me people that are ethnically, ethnically, I don't know. Right. It's, it's, it almost makes no sense. It seems very hurtful in a way to me to just say, okay, others, you others, versus like you actuals, you real things, you, you right. identities, you know. We in the past have been asked to revise our submission because what exactly what that statement is, what exactly is ethically ambiguous. So we could submit and they could be like, oh, we didn't ask for this interesting and then you're like well you what what are we supposed to be getting off of so i think people are at the end of the day right now it's a positive change that we're seeing and for example there was this submission and they said people humans mm -hmm. they're starting to use those type of terminology which is refreshing to see opposed to women or men exactly mm -hmm. so at the end of the day we're all humans so i love this i love this so much okay i'm so glad to hear that agents are starting to see a positive shift in the language of audition notices and casting breakdowns i am jumping out here because i want to share a teachable moment no matter what your job title, agent, casting director, teacher, talent, public figure, or private figure, you are a leader to someone. Someone is looking to you for what to say and how to act. People in those leadership roles, and again, that means all of us, all of us are a leader to someone. People in leadership roles must demonstrate an effort to be culturally sensitive and progressive. It is our responsibility to employ the language and the actions that reflect the values of the world that we want to live in, the world that we are creating. If I've learned one thing since starting this podcast, it's that words are important. Yes, words fall in and out of fashion. Yes, they hold different meanings in different contexts. Yes, I will almost certainly wish I had used them differently, <laughs> but they are important. All right, with that said, let's jump back in and hear Misha demystify 
and decode some common audition language. I have seen a handful of times some very coded language come through on audition breakdowns, which is what the buyer is asking for. Things, for example, like dress body conscious or looking for ethnically ambiguous um, people. Could you demystify what those words mean? Or, and are there any others that you think might be easily misunderstood? Any, any kind of code language that somebody new to the industry might not speak yet? Yeah, I think that's a really great question. And sometimes, honestly, we are trying to figure it out ourselves. But I think what's really important is to understand the artist that you are making that submission for or the brand that you're making that submission for. So body conscious going into a Beyonce audition is going to be completely different and going into a Ryan Heffington, for example, body conscious audition. So, and that's what our clients can and should utilize us for is I will have clients text me outfit options to make sure that what they're auditioning in is going to be best represented and that they're not going to walk in and be like, well, you said body conscious, but could, could mean literally pretty much anything that is form fitting to you. It doesn't always have to mean I'm going to be wearing minimal clothing. It could just mean I want to see your lines. Hmm. So it's our job to determine what that means for this specific project that we're working on. Okay, love that. So there's this element of like, if, if communication is mom, then dad is like research. Right. Talk, get the information and then research, do your homework, figure out what that means in this specific instance. Absolutely. And I always say the most successful dancers that I have seen are the ones that if you're going in for a commercial audition per se, that you're researching the brand's history, that you are looking at previous brands that the and previous ads that have been ran by the company and see what direction they're moving towards. Mm-hmm. And try to base your decisions of what you're wearing and how you're going to walk in from your research. And we're here to help you with that research as well. Oh man. Oh, I I used to be a person that fast forwarded through commercials. You know, I loved my shows and I wanted to just be in the show. But since I started working in commercials and since I've had the help of a handful of commercials in making a down payment on a home, I now watch commercials very carefully and I really enjoy the things that I learn and observe. One of the things that I've noticed about commercials is almost always you'll see wedding rings on lead people. Married people apparently are trustworthy. They make good decisions. We want to be like that. Another thing that I noticed, and I, whenever I teach audition workshop or audition skills in, in any of my classes, um, I ask people for the last time they saw a belly button in a commercial that was not for Pepto-Bismol or Tums. Yet, most of the dancers I know, when they go audition for a commercial, they're wearing a midriff shirt. I'm like, really? When was the last time you saw that happen on a commercial? Not very often. So I think 
when auditioning for commercials, yes, the idea of body conscious is certainly more conservative than if we're talking music videos, in which case I cannot recall a music video where there was not a visible belly button. <laughs> okay, so know what you're going in for. Big, exactly. big thing. Um, okay. Let's, I'd like to open to both of you, and this is like the kernel of what I would love to, for my listeners to walk away with today. What do your clients that are consistently working consistently do, and what do they not do that keeps them working? I think the dancers that are consistently working are the dancers that take their career and they put it as, as dancers, you are your own business entity. And the dancers that have a business mindset and take their careers as such are the ones that tend to be most success successful. So the do's and the don'ts, I think we touched upon this. And at the end of the day, people want to be around good people, kind humans, people that they enjoy being around. And that is priceless. There could be the most talented dancer in the world, but they don't have a good attitude at the end of the day that's is going to get around dance sales like I used like I like to say is very small uh -huh. and it can be extremely damaging to a career so be a good human keep your relationships up stay in communication with your team and treat yourself as you should as your own business Tim do you have anything you'd like to add to that you know I always say look for when I used to audition and if I didn't get the job, which happens all the time, um, less and less as life as it went on. Um, anyway, I'd like to, I would make a point of going to see, see that show on TV to see who they did hire. I would mm. even sneak into studios to watch them rehearse to see who they hired. Cause I wanted to know, okay, why did they hire that guy and not me? Um, but at the end of the day, the dancers that work all the time, if you look at them, they're really good. They, they are really good and not just really good technique. They know how to perform on camera. They know how to, uh, to act in the room. It's like what you were talking about with self-tapes. They know how to self-tape. They've taken the time to learn this. And, and it gets back to also being somebody that people want to work with on a personal level. So I don't know, really, it's, there's people you see them and you see them in every job and you think, and it's, you don't even have to think about it. It's like, well, of course they got the job. They, they're right. perfect. And right. that can change from job to job. Um, one movie is definitely different than the other. And, you know, sometimes it's just not your job. It's, yeah. there is no really other expect, explanation other than, you know what? it's not your job. It just didn't come down your way. So you've got to move on. Oh, I love that you brought that up. And I love that you're a curious person who, who will follow up on the project instead of develop this um, like scab about the project, right? You get cut and then all of a sudden that project becomes the worst and you didn't want it anyways. And you know, forget them. And you don't go back to look at it because it might be painful, but you look at what it was and you learn and you, you learn from what you might do differently next time. Um, it's one of my favorite things when I'm auditioning, when I'm in the room, to not watch 
the talented people auditioning, but to watch the people on the other side of the table and what they're watching. I really like that you brought that up. I think it would be good practice for the dancers that are listening to um, try as hard as you can to not develop the scar or the scab that will keep you from looking back at that project that you did not get that you thought that you would, but instead go back and look and say, oh, okay, what, what was that? And why was that not me? Knowing that the answer to that is it's okay that it's not me, but you can absolutely learn from that if you go look. I love that you said that. And one theory of mine, and I, you see it happen um, because we, we often have our clients and we want them to come to us and say, hey, you know, I've been to five auditions and, you know, I, I get to the end and I don't get picked um, or I don't get to the end. Um, and the advice, I see it happen where people, they take their last audition, the last loss, the last rejection to the next audition. And if you're not careful, I love that you said there's, there's scabs or whatever you want to call it. They, they take that loss and they start owning it right. instead of shedding it. And you have to just, it, it's, so many times you tell somebody, hey, you did great. It just, this wasn't your, this wasn't the time for you. Or we had somebody else that was, um, you know, that was better. But if you take that loss, if you take it personally and you drag that to the next audition and then the next and then the next, and then what you have on your hand is a desperate, depressed dancer and nobody wants to look at de desperate and depressed. Um, you have to take um, you have to take joy into every audition, and that's mm -hmm. what you do so well with everything you do, Dana. Um, you have mm -hmm. to enjoy it. Why else are you dancing? You know, you're dancing well, for the the emotion and the joy of it. So you have to be able to express that. And if you're going to kind of lock down those feelings and and, and own them, it's going to be more and more difficult. Right especially if you are dancing in the commercial industry where the whole point of commercials is to sell the idea that life with this thing, with this pop star, with this product, with this brand, whatever, life with this thing is better. You're more joyful. You're more happy, which I do think is kind of a damaging attitude as far as <laughs> mental health is concerned. But it's, it's part of what we're asked to do is like demonstrate life with this thing is so great. Before I had Skechers, I didn't dance. But when I have Skechers on, life is great and I'm joyful and all the things. So the the capacity to be happy and joyful and resilient is definitely an attractive quality anytime I'm, I'm looking to book a dancer. Um, fortunately for me, it's part of my disposition to be joyful. I've actually gotten some criticism on that. Like, Dana, could you please stop smiling? <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's important to not bring, Tim, the word you used that I think is so, so important, desperate. And after being knocked out of the ring so many times, it can, especially at a time like today, when many of us have gone without a job for so long, it may be hard to walk in the room without that tinge of desperation. But again, I go back to asking, when was the last time you saw a commercial or a music video where the dancers behind the product or the, or the person looked desperate? Like that's not a look that we seek. Um, the other one that I use as an example when I'm teaching audition techniques is fear. Like when was the last time you saw somebody looking afraid behind Beyonce? Actually never. 
like that's the look that doesn't get you hired. So although it is usually the feeling uh, somewhere underneath all of that, being afraid is normal in an audition, but it's certainly not the thing that you're selling most often. I, I think you have to approach it as a skateboarder approaches his ride down the hill or a skier or uh, you know any of those challenges. Is it scary? Yeah, it's a little bit scary, but you know, it's a blast. Like yes. a basketball player getting into a game, you, you have to approach it as like, you know, I'm gonna kill this and I'm gonna have a good time doing it. Um, I used to love auditions. I hate getting cut, but <laughs> I love auditions. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, Misha, do you have anything else, any other audition stories, whether they're your own or stories that you've heard um, coming to you via clients that might be inspiring or otherwise very entertaining? Yeah. Um, honestly, there's so many that come to mind when you say that question. It's hard to pinpoint one experience or even my own experiences in you know, auditioning, but I will say there is seriously nothing better than hearing our clients' experiences after an audition. And that has been, unfortunately, a little eliminated mm -hmm. during the times because we have an open door policy pre-pandemic <laughs> where clients would audition, they come in, they're sweaty, they're telling their stories, and you're getting to know your clients better. And that's the joy, one of the many joys of our job. But one time specifically, this is, probably more recent, I would say, was there was three audition, there was two major auditions happening at the same time with a major job taking up, I think there was 40 girls booked on this project. And one was a Super Bowl audition, one was a Super Bowl commercial audition, and then one was for a major artist music video that 40 top industry girls were booked on and they were all happening at the same time. So we were, I mean, on a high, right? Like this cannot get any better for our dancers. And then you receive the times and the locations. They're all the same time and they're all spread across LA. So at this point, we're like, oh my gosh, what are we supposed to be doing? So it was a thrill. I will have to say <laughs> for the very least because thankfully the choreographers actually all work together. You know, you hear the buzz, of course, and you know, dancers started asking the choreographers, hey, can I leave for just 10 minutes? Mm -hmm. And that specific choreographer, right, 10 minutes, that specific choreographer that was holding the Super Bowl audition said it was his last audition for the next four years. So everybody was like, I need, this is my chance to be at this audition. I, I was getting time changes for these auditions every 10, 20 minutes. Call times were changing for the music videos. I mean, it was, I woke up at 6 a.m. and it was just non, nonstop. And that whole day, clients in and out. And that's, it's the best. It's what you, what you want for your clients. Can I interject right here, Dana? Please, yes. One thing I want to make a point to the dancers is how invested we as agents are in your careers. And you could see it or hear it in, in Misha's voice when she was talking about that. 
we we don't represent people that we don't want to represent it's mm -hmm. we believe in you we want you to work that's our mission in life is to help you find your way in this crazy career that we've all chosen um, mm -hmm. so you know, when we recommend somebody for a job it's because we know you you're the right person for the job and we want you to get that job and so when when they come in and their heart's broken because they didn't get the job or they come in because it's a, they they're so excited because they did get the job, or you know whatever it is that happens, we're we're just totally into it and totally committed, and it's it's uh, we live through you guys. So it's you know you are our passion. We're we're in this business. You can't be a dance agent without being passionate about it, without loving dance and loving the dancers. And uh, I just I just want dancers to know, to know that we are. We, we believe in you, we are with you, and, and we just want only success for you. And, and uh, we also understand that it doesn't always come that way. So we want to figure out, okay, what's the way around it? How are we going to get to that point? So I just want to say that. Oh, I'm so glad that you did. And in fact, I cannot imagine winding, winding off. <laughs> I cannot imagine going out on a higher note, Tim. That's a brilliant sentiment, and it must be true. I. I don't know how you would sit through how many emails a day on average, do you think? Uh, hundreds. <laughs> <laughs> hundreds, hundreds of emails a day without being passionate and wanting to see um, your clients succeed. And I certainly do feel that enthusiasm from you guys in, in being a part of your team. Um, feel so tremendously supported. And, and also, I'm so glad, Misha, that you mentioned this, the open door policy. I hadn't really considered the side effect of the pandemic being this um, the bright spot in your day of seeing my face uh, experiencing the joy, or in some cases, the terror of an audition. Um, that, that piece of the agent-client relationship is missing right now. I hadn't thought about it. I'm glad you brought that up. I think it's a good reminder for everybody who has an agent right now to check in with them, tell them hello, tell them a story from your life. <laughs> and. Um, and for all of those dancers seeking representation, um, don't hide. Put yourself out there. Put your work out there. There will be a need for you and your talent, um, and hopefully that need will be coming soon. Okay. Well, Dana, thanks so much for inviting us on your podcast. Um, Thank you guys for doing this. You know, I've been a fan of yours ever since it was a Dancers Alliance meeting that you were heading. And I remember thinking, I love that woman. And I went up to you afterwards and just said, I just think you're great. And uh, I always thought you should be in commercials and, you know. I, I remember this. This was before I was at Clear Talent Group. And you introduced yourself to me afterwards. I think you said, I think you said, who are you? <laughs> Which I think is how I started this call with you. So how appropriate is that? Um, well, I, I feel seen. Thank you guys so much, and thank you for talking. I hope that everybody listening learned a lot, as I know I have. And I just dropped my um, uh, fanny pack off my chair, so that made a great noise. We'll, we'll go out on that. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank, thank you, guys. You. I miss you. Stay good. Stay good. Stay healthy. Thought you were done? No. Now I'm here to remind you that all of the important people, places, and things mentioned in this episode can be found on my website, thedanawilson.com slash podcast. Finally, and most importantly, now you have a way to become a Words That Move Me member. 
so kickball changeover to patreon.com slash WTMM podcast to learn more and join. All right, everybody. Now I'm really done. Thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you soon.